qualified. Think about that word for just a minute. It's a word I've heard a lot, you know, especially growing up, thinking about what God had called me to do and when I was going to do it and how it was going to work out. But if I'm honest with you, I've never felt like I measured up to that word, qualified. And I think a lot of people feel that way because I, I wondered if somehow I accidentally ended up where I ended up, how I kind of stumbled into it. Because I wonder, as I have shown people my resume throughout the years, like I wonder if they actually read it, you know, before they said yes or gave me the opportunities that I had. I, if it were up to me to feel qualified before I was doing what it is that I believe the Lord called me to do, I'd probably still be sitting in a Bible school somewhere trying to learn that thing that I feel like I need to know before I do the thing that I feel called to do. Two weeks out of high school, man, um, God gave me the opportunity to step into a youth pastor role. Two weeks out of high school. Who hires a recent high school graduate and says, here, teach these kids? Someone who's desperate. That's who. Um, and I didn't feel ready, and, and honestly, I wasn't. Um, but 18 years old, that was the path that God saw fit to put me on. Um, it wasn't the path I thought I'd be on. And then just uh, almost eight years ago, you guys, um, the opportunity at 29 years old to be the pastor of Word of Grace, um, when the largest church I'd ever pastored was a church of about you know, 60, 70 people, and then all of a sudden now I'm responsible for something I had never been responsible before. And stepping into that role, you just wonder, like, what, what in the world? This doesn't make sense. I'm not qualified by my own standards. And, and I can attest to the fact personally, just feeling like, what, what is happening? How, how do I keep getting put into these different situations? And, and, and I keep saying yes but even though I don't feel qualified, even though I don't feel necessarily ready, but God is leading and guiding every one of our lives very much the same way because I can attest to it with my own story. And I know that I've heard many of your stories where you have had similar experiences where you've said yes to God in situations where maybe you didn't feel like you were adequate or you were qualified. Uh, I know that as you look all throughout the Bible, you'll find people who are in that exact same spot. You can look at people like Moses. You can write these down if you want to and go back and read them just for encouragement. Over in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, or chapter 4, verse 1, or chapter 4, verse 10 through 13, it's this interaction with God and Moses where Moses is like arguing with God over feeling qualified. Like where it's, hey, uh, God, you got the wrong guy. Don't you know that I'm the guy that all the Egyptians hate and the Hebrews, so I've kind of ticked everybody off. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants me around. That's why I'm living here out in the desert away from everyone. And God's like, yeah, I'm going to use you for my mouthpiece. And God's like, yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't talk real good. You know, I don't know if he was from southern Arkansas too. But uh, he, he just said, I, I just don't have it. I, I don't talk really well. And, and God's like, it's not about that. I'm going to be with you and let me show you these different ways I'm going to be with you. He didn't feel qualified. In Judges chapter 6 and verse 15, there was a, a young man named Gideon who was afraid of the Midianites because they were just terrorizing their land. Matter of fact, he was so afraid that he was uh, found threshing wheat uh, inside of a wine press, a, a big hole in the ground. And so here's this guy. is He's underground doing work that's normally meant to be above ground, but he's so afraid of getting the wheat stolen that he's doing it in secret because he's so afraid. And God calls him a mighty man of valor. And he goes, 
blow God. You got the wrong guy. And in Judges 6 and verse 15, he says, As a matter of fact, not only do you have the wrong guy, but I'm actually the weakest member of the weakest clan. Like, my whole family's weak, and I'm like the weakest out of the weak family. Like, I'm nobody. And God says, you're the one that I want to use. Over in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6 through 16, we see the story play out where God is going to anoint the next king over Israel. And so there's a man named Jesse who has all these sons, and he and, and the prophet Samuel says, I'm going to anoint the next king of Israel. And, and so he says, call all your sons. And there's this one, the, the first son that, that Samuel, the prophet, looks at. He's, this guy's like ripped. This guy's jacked. And he's just like standing there proud. And Samuel goes, whoa, this dude is a guy worth following. He looks the part. He looks kingly. This guy just is ripped. He's got muscles on top of muscles. And he's just got this chiseled look. And he's got leadership written all over him. And God goes, yeah, not the guy. And Samuel's like, okay, well, what about the next guy? He's kind of got muscles, but, you know, not as impressive as the other guy. Not him either. Well, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? Up until the end of the line, Samuel looks at uh, Jesse and he says, hey, I told you to get all your sons. Is this it? And he goes, well, I mean, I got one more. It's this other kid. He's the guy that, like, takes care of the sheep. I mean, but, I mean, you're talking about, you know, anointing someone as the king. I mean, I can go get him if you want me to go get him. And it's like, yeah, go get him. And it ended up being David, the, the, the king that gets anointed, you know, and, and ends up being called a man after God's own heart, who, who we read about the least likely. Look over in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, where God calls the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, as soon as he hears the Lord call him through this vision that he has, he goes, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. Like, you don't know the stuff that's come out of my mouth. It's almost like if people, they feel like this obligation to remind God of who they are, as if God were like, oh yeah, I forgot. You are a man of unclean lips. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me of that. And, and God says, no, here's what I'm going to do. So he sends this, this, this cherubim to take these tongs and take this coal out of the burning altar. And he takes this coal and he puts it on Isaiah's lips in this vision. And he cleanses his mouth and says, I'm going to do this through you. I'm going to be the one who cleanses you. He's letting him know, listen, it's not about you. Over and over again, we can read stories in scripture where people felt unqualified to do what it was that God had called them to do. And everybody had excuses and everybody had reasons why. Hey, God, just want to inform you, you got the wrong person here. And God's like, no, I don't have the wrong person. It's just that what God may be asking you to do is stretching you outside of what is comfortable. And as God will stretch you beyond what is comfortable, he's looking for you to say yes and he's looking for you to depend on him and to trust him and to grow deeper in your dependence with him because you've got to realize something about the Lord, that God is for God. God is for God. In other words, God is not impressed with your resume. God doesn't look at your resume and go, oh man, this, uh, this sure is impressive. I think this guy's got all the strengths and the talents and this lady, boy, she, she can do this, 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 and this, and this. Wonderful, awesome, let's, let's hire her. That's not how God looks at things. That's how you and I look at things. That's how we compare people. That's how we look to see if we feel that we're qualified. That's not how God qualifies. God looks somewhere deeper, and he's looking at the heart, and he's ultimately for himself because God is for his glory, and he is wanting to show his glory through you and me, and he's not nervous about your lack of experience. Oh, let me say that again. God's not nervous about your lack of experience because he wants to show his might through you. 
It's not because of you. This is rather God doing it in spite of you, through you in a way that brings his, Him glory because God is bigger than your limitations. God is bigger than your weaknesses, your inexperience, your reputation, your failures. God is bigger than all of the things that you're lacking. He's bigger than all of that. This should not make us more confident in ourselves because that's not the end result that we're after. It's not so you walk out of here feeling better about yourself as this, this were some sort of self-help therapy session. This is so you will gain a deeper and greater dependence on God and not in yourself because it is greater as He that is in me, not greater as me that is in me. And God helps out sometimes. No, it's greater as He. It's God doing it in me, through me, and He's wanting to use every one of us to accomplish His will here in the earth, and He's wanting every one of us to grow in a greater and deeper dependence in Christ alone. And this should make us more confident in God because He's wanting to stretch you for His glory. And this is going to be a statement that may rattle you a little bit. And so I just want to prepare you, just in case you get a little rattled and scoff, just a tad. Savior scoffing for some other thing. You are called to ministry. Let me say that again. You are called to ministry. This is what the church, the body of Christ, is called to do, to be ministers. We are called to ministry. If you are a part of the body of Christ, the church, you are a minister. Because a minister is simply someone who has been called to ministry. Now, you may not be a pastor. I didn't say everyone in here was called to be a pastor or, or an evangelist or something like that because everyone has different gifts and a different function within the body. But everyone in the body is called to ministry. If you look at Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12, the Bible says this, Paul writes, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. He says that the, this five-fold ministry, these, these different offices, the, the apostles, the prophets, these, these shepherds, that's the word that's used there for pastors and, and teachers, these evangelists, all of these different gifts that are given to the body of Christ are given for the reason of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. You see, I'm in the equipping role. That's just my role. It doesn't make me more special. It doesn't make me more significant. I'm just in the equipper role. It's my job to equip you. A pastor should be more like a personal trainer. But instead, we've made the pastor to be more like a massage therapist. <laughs> or some sort of guru who types the little fortune cookie sayings that go into the fortune cookies on the tiny little typewriter. Because in my mind, I imagine... Those get typed on a tiny little typewriter. Ching! And lucky lotto numbers folded and placed inside. That's how some people think that the pastor, that, that's what their role is, is to give you good nuggets of truth, give you something inspirational, give you something to make you feel better, give you something to make you go, ah, oh, that felt good. Oh, that sure was wonderful. Oh, I really enjoyed that. And that's what we think that the role of the equippers is. But no, it's more like a personal trainer where our job as equippers is to instruct, is to equip so that you can do the work of the ministry so that the church can be the church, not just a place where we gather and are entertained and go to church. This is not Christian entertainment. 
This is us gathering to be sharpened, to be instructed, to be equipped so we can go and do the work of the ministry amongst this local fellowship and our places of influence that God has given us. That's exactly what we're doing here. You see, church is not something you're a part of to feel better about yourself. It's a place where we do life together. It's a group. It's a community of people who are doing life together where we are being the church together, where we sharpen one another, where we spur one another on to good works, where when one of us may be burdened down with something that we're able to share that burden and bear those burdens together, where we go deep with each other in relationship when we're vulnerable and we're able to connect with each other in a real deep way, not just a shallow, hey, how are you kind of way, but in a way where we care about those outside of our circles, where we began to look outside of those that we know and we're connected to, and we began to love people genuinely, authentically, the way Jesus does. We experience that with one another, and then all of a sudden it becomes attractive to a watching world. And the more that we develop confidence in Jesus, the more that it begins to change us. Because confidence in Christ comes from knowing Christ. So if I'm going to have confidence in him, if I'm going to be able to trust him through the stretch, if I'm going to be able to say, yes, Lord, here I am, I'll step out and trust you, I have to know who it is that I'm trusting. Because just the fact that someone may say something, I, I may not necessarily trust that, but if I know the person who's saying it, I can trust it more. There are people in your life that you know that when they say something, you can take that to the bank and you know that that check is good because you can trust them. Because you have built trust and relationship there. And confidence comes from that type of investment in relationship. The more you know Christ, the more you invest in knowing who He is. Not the way you want Him to be, but who Scripture says that He is. And who He has revealed Himself in Scripture we can begin to trust more because we know him more. And the more I know Jesus and have spent time with him and have been around others who know him and who have spent time with him, I grow in confidence in Jesus. And then I develop a greater dependence on the Holy Spirit who dwells in me because it no longer becomes about me anymore and my abilities and my strengths. But rather it becomes about the power of God working in me and through me to accomplish what brings God glory. Not what points people to how great I am who cares it's not about me at the end of the day it's about jesus amen? amen let's look over to acts chapter 4 as you're turning to acts 4 i'll give you just a little bit of background of kind of what's happening here um, in acts chapter 3 there was a story that's told of peter and john going to the temple to pray and on their way to go pray they run into this guy who's been sitting at this gate and this guy is lame, and he is blind. So he can't walk, and he's blind. And everybody knows this guy. He's always there. He's kind of like the resident guy that's just there always begging and asking. And you just know he's going to be there. And then he asks them on the way to pray, he says, you guys have some money? And he's like, no, silver and gold we don't have. He said, but what we do have we'll give to you. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he says, rise up and walk. And the guy takes up his blanket and he walks and he's healed. And all this is just incredible story about how God healed this man who was waiting um, at this gate. And as we see this thing happen, this is kind of the next uh, 
chapter to that story because not everybody was happy about the lame guy getting healed. Not everybody was jazzed about that. You would think everybody would just marvel at this miracle, but not everyone was excited about it, and primarily the religious leaders, because Peter and John used this miracle as an opportunity to tell people about Jesus, because that was the purpose of it. It just wasn't for the guy to get healed. Yeah, praise God, the guy, he, he experienced being able to be healed physically. Wonderful. Praise God for that. But now these guys have a platform to share the gospel, because the power of God is, about, is validating the message that they're sharing. So this is what happened, Acts chapter 4. Let's look at verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came to them, greatly annoyed, <laughs> because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. What? Hang on a second. You know, in my mind, I got like PBS special, you know, like little Jesus, and that all they could get was like 10 extras for the scene, and there's like 10 people around here, and Peter and John share about the gospel. No, there's 5,000 people who got saved Amen. hearing this message about Jesus. Verse 5, on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and uh, Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, these guys intimidated them, right? By what power, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. They had nothing to say in opposition because, look at this. Look at what didn't impress them, first of all. What didn't impress the religious leaders? Um, their education. <laughs> the education did not impress them. They said, hey, aren't these guys uneducated? Like, like these guys are, these, this is a fisherman, right, over here that's talking so boldly. What were they amazed by? The boldness in which Peter spoke with. How was Peter able to speak with boldness? Because he went to Boldness 101. Because he learned how to speak boldly and read a book. And it helped him to look in the mirror and learn to speak boldly and give himself positive affirmations to speak boldly. No. It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke boldly. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he spoke boldly in that moment, surrounded by those who were there to see them fail. And so boldly that they were astonished at the boldness of Peter and John and they had perceived that these men had been with Jesus. These guys had to have been with Jesus for them to be able to speak with such boldness. 
You see, the power of God validates what we lack because it points people to God instead of us. That is the only way that this deal could have worked out because you know what, Pete, John, you guys really aren't that great. You're just guys, just two guys. But they had perceived that they had been with Jesus. Now, stretching is uncomfortable. Stretching is an uncomfortable thing. And yes, you are unqualified. And God is going to ask you to do some things that are going to be uncomfortable for you. That's how this works. And this is how this works. That's part of the deal. Look over and over in Scripture. That's how this deal works. I don't see anyone in Scripture going, I'm the man for the job, give it to me. Everyone's always like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, mm, really? Like, you sure? Somebody else? I mean, come on. You know, don't you know what I haven't done or what I have done? Don't you know what I don't know or what I do know? And God's like, yeah, I don't care. You. I choose you. You're the one. And if God is putting something in your heart to do that is stretching you, what is that next step that God is calling you to say yes to? What is the next thing that God... Because here's what happens. When, when people feel super qualified and they feel like, man, boy, you are lucky to have me in your church. Woo! When you got that person like, and they feel like, oh, you are lucky. I am super gifted. Man, they're just sitting around waiting to be asked. That's what they do. Because they sit around and they're like, I'm waiting for you to notice my gifts. I'm really good. <laughs> Look what I can do. But... The person that's hungry, are you hearing me? The person that's hungry, that wants to grow is saying, yes, God, how, how, how can I say yes? How, how, can, how, can I, how can I do that thing you're putting on my heart to do that you're leading me and guiding me to do? Not waiting for someone to acknowledge my giftedness. Because I know, hey, I'm not that great, but I know Christ in me is great. And it's greater as he that is in me, amen? So, Lord, what do you want me to say yes to? Is it uncomfortable? Ooh, yeah. It's really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because you step into it and you, you don't have this guaranteed outcome of what everything is going to look like. Because I've never walked down this road before. I've never been to Wisconsin before, right? I mean, my, my family and I, we, we, we got stretched. We were uncomfortable. God is wanting to stretch you. He's wanting to make you uncomfortable. But that's how this thing works. And stretching creates a deeper dependence on God. That's really what it does. It creates in you and me a deeper dependence on God. Uh, over in Acts 4, one of the things that happened after this, okay, so check this out. When they saw this boldness, all of those who heard this story or who experienced this, all of the, the, the Christ followers, they wanted the same kind of boldness that Peter had because they're facing similar persecutions. They're facing similar pressures. They're facing similar intimidation tactics, even though maybe they... they they weren't doing some of the same things maybe that Peter and John were doing. They're still following Christ and being ostracized from their families. And life is becoming more difficult. And they know they need the same type of boldness they saw in Peter and John. And so they prayed. And they asked God for boldness. They all got together and they said, we need to pray for boldness. Because we know that God is calling us to do things that are uncomfortable. God is calling us to do things that are stretching us. God's calling us to do things that... Are, are difficult and we're going to need to stay unified and connected and we're going to need to do this stretching and trusting and depending on god thing together because they realize that that they need each other they need to be connected to each other in christ-centered community and so what does the church do they pray 
and they pray this beautiful prayer in Acts chapter 4. And in uh, verse 23, you can read that all the way through verse 30, how they prayed this beautiful prayer asking for boldness. And then here's what happened at the end in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, after they were done praying. Verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They were in such unity and, and wanted to have this understanding of it's not about me, it's, it's truly about me needing you, Lord, to do what it is you have called me to do. And so, God, we're depending on you. And the place was shaken where they were gathered together and the Holy Spirit filled them with that boldness. And they went out and they began to speak the word of God. They began to do that thing that was uncomfortable. They began to do that thing that stretched them beyond what they were naturally able to do because it wasn't a personality-driven thing. It wasn't like, here, take this personality test. Let's see if you, where you tip on the boldness scale. It wasn't a, let's see where you, where you fit on the qualified scale to be able to speak the word of God boldly. Oh, this group's qualified, this group's unqualified. No, it wasn't about a qualification. It was about, Holy Spirit, we all realize we need you because we're all a part of this body and you've given us all a task to do and we need you to help us do this task because we know ultimately when you work in us and through us, it brings God glory. So we're not depending on our strength and our gifts. We need you. And when they acknowledge that, God did it. And that's what God wants you and I to do. He wants us to acknowledge our limitations because I don't care how strong you are, you have limitations. Every one of us. Strongest person in the room that can bench press the most weight. It doesn't matter. You have a limit. We can put just another few ounces on there and you can't get one more. <laughs> That's all you get because you don't hit your limit. Every one of us in this room has a limit. You can only run so far. You can only jump so high. And then you're going to hit a limit and you can't go no further. And that's where God loves to move. When your strength is gone, when you don't feel like doing it, when you would rather stay in bed, when you would rather make the excuses, when you would rather say, I'm too busy, I'm not good enough, my past is too jaded, I've got too much junk following me around, all this stuff, and when God is putting this on my heart to say yes to, God says, yeah, right there at that place where you say, I can't do this, that's where God goes, well, I can. <laughs> Because nothing is impossible when it comes to God and His glory. It's just, am I going to lean into Him? Am I going to trust Him? Am I going to say, Lord, I need you. I depend on you. Or am I trusting in my own strength? Because I feel like I've gotten this far. It's not like Jesus saves you and does this amazing miracle in, it, in you by transforming you. And the Holy Spirit now is dwelling in you. He's, he's made alive your, your, your body, and now you're, you're living this life in the flesh now to please God. And he goes, good luck with that, little buddy. This whole saving you supernatural transformation thing, that was, that was fun and all, but uh, we'll see what you do from here. Good luck. No, he's, he's going to be with you. And the same God that saved you is the same God that's empowering you to do what he has created you to do. The same God who's even gifted you to do what he's called you to do. He's not even depending on how great you are. He's not going, oh boy, I'm glad we got that one on the team because it's going to make the worship band better. <laughs> God doesn't care about that stuff. 
God has even given you the gifts that you have and, and His Holy Spirit in you is, is, is giving you those gifts. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you saying, yes, Lord, here I am. What do you want me to do? What, what do you want me to say yes to? What are you stirring my heart to do? Not the thing that He wants you to just keep making excuses for until you feel good enough to do it in your own strength. Because if what God is calling you and requiring you to do, if it doesn't require God, then I don't know if it's truly led by God. Because what you're called to do had better require God. I don't know how this thing's going to work out. I'm not that great at this and that. Okay, let's go. And then the Holy Spirit shows up and people go, what? What is happening here? That has to be God, because I know that guy. <laughs> or I know her. That has to be God. And that's where God gets the glory in the middle of all of that. Right. Not when we get to flex and show off our strength. Amen, somebody? Amen. You see, when we recognize our need, and when we ask God to give us the abilities, the gifts given by the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this thing that we call ministry, <laughs> when our heart's intent is for the glory of God alone, it stretches us beyond what is comfortable and it supplies us with what we need to do God's will for our lives. This is how the church can be the church. This is how the church is a supernatural force that is spirit-led and spirit-empowered when we're asking in faith and willing to be stretched beyond what's comfortable by saying yes to what God is putting in our hearts to do. It's us being dependent on God, not ourselves. So here's what we're going to do to wrap things up this morning. I want all of us to do what the church in Acts did. And even though the context is not necessarily the same, I still want us to pray corporately together and ask God to stretch us by praying portions of that prayer that they prayed together and to ask God also to stretch us daily. So I want to ask you where you're at. Would you stand? Those of you who are watching online, would you stand? If you're at work and you're in, uh, sitting in a cubicle, stand up. Be that person. If you're out in the commons, stand up. I want all of us to corporately do this together, to unite together. And I'm going to lead us in prayer, and I want you to repeat in a cadence together after me as we pray portions of these prayers. Not because that we're in the same situation where the church in Acts was, where they're being persecuted necessarily and and, and, and being threatened with, with death or being imprisoned because of our faith. We, we don't live in that type of country and under that type of pressure. Uh, so the prayer for boldness that I would ask our church to corporately pray together would be so that we can be bold to do the things that God has put in our hearts and calling us to do. That we would say yes to the stretching and we would say no to the fear. That we would say no to intimidation. That we would say no to lack. That we would say no to the limitations that we would say no to uh, uh, making excuses. Because God's put some stuff on your heart. He's stirred in you some things. And, and he's waiting for you to begin to say yes to some things. And stop waiting to be tapped on the shoulder. Stop waiting to feel qualified. Just say yes where you're at right now to what God's calling you to do. And, and, and I want us to pray for the boldness to do that. And then maybe... For some of us, that boldness stems further because maybe you haven't shared your faith with someone and God is putting it on your heart. There's a co-worker, there's a friend, there's a family member. You're worried about having the right words to say, all that stuff. And God's like, I'm not worried about that. Moses was worried about that. 
God says, don't worry about that. I just want you to say yes and trust in the Holy Spirit to do the thing you can't do. Trust in the Holy Spirit to do the thing you can't do. Keep seeking God. Keep learning more and more about Christ. Keep creating a deeper dependence on God, but, keep, but say yes to what he's putting on your heart. Do stretch. Will it be uncomfortable? Will it cause you to depend on God? Yes, and that's kind of the point. And then it's greater is he that's in you and you see that played out in your life and you go, wow, God, you, you're incredible. I can't believe you would use someone like me. So let's ask the Lord together just as they prayed in Acts. Let's pray this together. Would you put the words on the screen? Let's say, Sovereign Lord, the one who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. We ask that you would grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now as we're standing, can we ask that God would stretch us and use us and equip us to be used for His glory. Let's pray. God, You are holy. Help us walk in a manner worthy of our calling with all humility and striving to maintain a spirit of unity. God, stretch and equip us for ministry. Empower us with the gifts from the Holy Spirit as you see fit. Fill us with the Holy Spirit so that no one may look at us and think anything great is being done because of us. but rather because of your power working in us. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we may know the richness of the glorious hope to which you have called us. That we may be in awe of the immeasurable greatness of your power towards us who believe. Stretch us, equip us, and send us out. In Jesus' name, amen. And my prayer is that as we pray these things together, as we pray the scriptures that we see these people prayed and even uh, borrowed some scriptures from Ephesians, from the Ephesians prayers as, that Paul prayed to help us to see what we need to see. To give us the boldness that God wants us to have. To ask for the Holy Spirit to give us the gifts that He wants us to have. To be used by God. And, and my prayer is, is that today, is that as we're praying this together, that this would be more than just some words that you were following and repeating on a screen. Because this is not just some ritual I wanted us to do. Because I know that for some of you, that the fear and the intimidation that the enemy has in front of you right now is even the intimidation to pray. Because some of you, you're at a place where, where you feel like you, you can't say the right things or you don't know what to say. 
And so you don't pray because you're intimidated. And so I wanted us to do this together. So you could build that confidence in knowing Jesus more. So we could pray together and ask God to do these things in us and through us for His glory. And so my, my hope for our church is that we'll continue together in prayer. That we'll continue together in fellowship. That we'll continue together in sharpening each other and encouraging one another, bearing one another's burdens, holding one another accountable, helping one another to grow, that we would all be thoroughly equipped to do what God has called us to do, fully depending on Him and His leading and His guiding and His power and operation in us and through us. Because the same God who has saved us wants to save your neighbor. Amen, somebody. The same God that has, uh, has transformed your life wants to transform your co-worker's life. The same God that is working in you wants to work in this community and He wants to do it more than just on Sunday morning or Monday night at a church. He wants us to go out and be the church every day to be the body of Christ in every situation. Maybe today it's when you sit down at a restaurant and it's the server that you have. Maybe it's the host or hostess that you encounter. Maybe today it's when you're doing some, something around the house, you're cleaning out the garage and the neighbor's walking the dog and all of a sudden you have an interaction with them that was God-ordained that you begin to use those gifts. Maybe it's something here in this fellowship that God's been challenging you to step up and say yes to. That today's the day where you step up and say yes. Maybe there's something that God has been putting on your heart to do for someone. Maybe it's just to pour the scripture more and to know God more. Maybe it's to prioritize those things and rekindle that passion and that love for God again by spending time in scripture and spending time in prayer Maybe it's sharpening your prayer life and, and learning how to pray by, by learning more about Jesus so you know how to, how to talk to Him more. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, I believe God's calling you to say yes to something. And it's going to stretch you. And it's going to make you uncomfortable. And I promise you, it's going to be inconvenient. And I promise you, there's going to be excuses waiting on you. And there's going to be reasons why you shouldn't do it and you're going to argue with God and you're going to want to do all this stuff. But I want to tell you, it's not about us feeling qualified because Christ is the one. His blood has opened access for me to have that fellowship and relationship with God. Not anything I did. It's through Christ alone and it's going to continue to be through Christ alone. Amen? So as we go from this place, let's continue to grow together.